You're listening to the City Lights Church Podcast with Pastor Jesse Miller. But this morning, I, do think, I think it's funny, so we have three girls now. I have three girls, not we. My wife and I have three girls now. Um, and uh, I think it's hilarious that it doesn't matter, it, it, almost on a weekly occurrence, somebody looks at my little daughter and is amazed that she looks like me and my wife. I'm like, well, who did you think she would look like? <laughs> like, if she came out looking like your wife or you, I'd have a problem, right? But she looks like me. She's created in my image, right? So I can, it's funny because we take the pictures of all three of our girls when they're babies, and like some of them are just like, oh, Grace really looks like Faith. Faith really looks like Haley. Haley, we kind of see the, the mixes, right? You, we see the sim- similarities. And it's funny, like we take, we literally, my wife and I stage the exact same picture with Grace that we took eight years ago with Haley. We have them hanging up in the living room and people think it's the same picture. Why? Because they are different and unique. Their personalities are all very different. If you know my oldest two, Haley and Faith, they are very, very different in a lot of ways. But yet they're both made in my image, right? And my wife's. And this morning, as Father's Day, I I really want to hone in on the fact that we are created in the image of God um, a little bit more. You hear me say this a lot, but I bring this idea up a lot. Not idea, but this, this truth, this reality. Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. The Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, says to himself in community, let us create man in our image. They will look like us. They will be like us. Make sense? In our image. I bring this up a lot because in order to understand who we currently are in Christ, we have to understand our original plan and design, right? If you have something, a tool, you need to know what it was designed for. If you're a person created in the, in the image of the Father with a specific design from the Father, it helps if you know your original design, if you know the original plan for you. So Genesis 1, we see this creation of mankind. We see God making man in his own image. And then stuff happens. He says to mankind, be fruitful and multiply. So continue to make my image across the earth. Create family. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. Out of you, Adam, I'll pull your rib out and make a woman for you, right? He creates this family unit and then be fruitful and multiply. Keep producing Steward, rule, over, rule and reign over the earth the way I rule and reign over all the creation. You do that as my ambassadors in my image. Make children, right? That's what he says to do. Genesis 2, verses 23 to 25. This is Adam's response when he sees his wife, right? Then the man said, this, is the la- this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is a beautiful image of creation, the original design. Man and wife together, a family unit reflecting the father, naked and unashamed. They were in his image. They knew who they were, right? Man's made in the image of the father, but then the enemy comes, and he begins to trick them, right? Did God really say, you'll be like God if? 
You guys, I don't need to go into Genesis account. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's familiar. He begins to trick them to think that they're not in the image. So they have a desire to be like him, and in their response, they do what he tells them not to do, right? Because they want to be like the Father, even though they were already made in his image. And then the fall happens in chapter 3. And what's the response from Adam? He points his finger. This woman that you made for me, this woman, her, the response to sin Instead of being this family unit, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, in perfect harmony, reflecting the Father is now it's her fault and yours. You made her, not me, you, your fault. The very Father that he wants to be like, the one that is like wooing them toward, like the enemy uses to manipulate them into sin, the Father that they were created in the image of, he now begins to point the finger at, yeah, it's your fault. Your mistake, not mine. I'm better. I've got this thing figured out. You messed up. She messed up, not me. And so what happens here, we see this breakdown in the relationships that we were planned for, we were destined for. The relationship with the father between Adam and and God, the relationship between Adam and his wife, and that trickles down. Genesis chapter 4, if you could throw this up on the screen. Genesis chapter 4, we see this carries over into the family. Verse 1, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel, and now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain was a worker of the ground. And in in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and that their fat portions, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to his brother Abel. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? We'll stop there. I see this interesting thing happen. So we're created in the image of God. There's this, this, unit, this family unit. That's the spoken word over the family unit is to reflect the image of the father and reproduce itself through children, through a lineage. Make sense? We all tracking this morning? I know it's a little warm in here. We're good. Okay. So that's the spoken word over the family. Then sin corrupts the heart of man, and he no longer is saying, I want to be like my father, but he's hiding from the father in the garden. They're hiding themselves. He's distancing himself, and he's blaming the father. He's blaming the wife. And then the offspring happens, and the offspring, instead of Abel, Cain the oldest, and Abel the second, have to give an offering to the Lord. And Abel gives one out of a pure heart. He gives sacrificially. Cain withholds, and it's not all of his heart. And so the Lord smiles on Abel's and not on Cain's, and Cain gets angry, and then what's he do? He kills his brother. What did the Lord just say to him before this? Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, and you must roll over it. See, this brokenness started happening in the family unit in the in Genesis, 
The very first family, the enemy crept in and began to manipulate God's plan, confused them, and brokenness happened in the family. Now you have the first father, Adam, his first two sons, one's dead and the other one's banished. He, the father, the first father of humanity, has lost relationship with his first two sons. And he's re- lost relationship with the father of him. Make sense? That's the original plan. And then this is like a big mess now. See, sin, sin made the first father blame his wife and then begin to walk in shame and then lose his two sons. We can easily look around and see broken families everywhere. I mean, we know the divorce rates. We know, we know issues. If you know much about me, I get really broken over this issue. To me, family is like everything. We see when a man marries his wife, when a wife marries her husband, we see that they're supposed to love each other the way the father loves the son, the way the son loves the church. There's this complete unity. They're supposed to reflect the Godhead. They're supposed to reflect the Trinity. And so often we see divorces because somebody's not reflecting the sacrificial love of the father or of the son. And so I get really broken over this. In fact, some people, we've watched some TV shows together in this church, and I've literally stopped watching TV shows when they kill off a dad. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out of here. Like, look, look at the entertainment industry today. How many shows do you see a healthy dad? How many? None. How, watch any Disney movie ever. How many, how many moms are in the picture? None. Like, and I'm not, like, against Disney. I, I just went to Disney World. It was wonderful. We were all princesses, except for me. It, it was beautiful. I was, I was a Jedi. They were princesses. But, like, I get grieved in my heart because from the very beginning of creation, the family unit was meant to be a reflection of the Father and be fruitful and life-giving. And let's be honest, most of us in this room are a product of what we would call a broken home. We've seen dysfunction in some capacity. We've lived through it, and we've got wounds and hurts and insecurities and, 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 and vengeance and all these things in our hearts, and we're trying to figure out who we are because my dad said this to me, or my mom said this, or she wasn't there, or he wasn't there, and, or they, they passed away, and now I feel like this, and we're so mixed, mixed up that we forget what we were created for. Make sense? Now, I want, to, I want you to see something. So that was kind of the sad, the sad part of this. I want to give you the hope, all right? Romans chapter 8. We're going to do a little bit of flipping, and I got a lot of scripture this morning. Um, we all good? You guys don't have brunch scheduled? And like, I'm kidding, men don't do brunch. We do lunch or breakfast. Or second breakfast, not brunch. I'm kidding. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to just kind of skim through some of this here just, just for the sake of time this morning. Read Romans 8, read, read Romans. It, it mess you up, rock you, and you'll feel like you're, you're in Romans for the rest of your life because it's a lot in there. It's good. But I want, I want you to see something. So verse, verse 1, we'll just kind of hit a few of these verses. Verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. I want you to catch this right here. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the spirit but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the flesh. I want to point this out real quick to you. I love that it says he condemned sin. So often, you just look back at the garden or look at your own experience. What happens when we sin? We feel condemned by it. Make sense? Sin has condemned us over and over again. The moment we sin, we run and hide. We hide that thing in the closet. We try to forget about it. We say our little prayers and we try to like, but yet we, we try to live in freedom, but yet there's still this guilt and shame or whatever that's going on, right? It's Adam in the garden. I sinned. I ate the fruit. I was made in the image of the Father. I walked with him in the cool of the day, and now I'm hiding in the weeds. Sin condemned man. And Jesus came and he says, no sin. Hold on. Time out. Time out, sin. I condemn you. I condemn you. And then he drops the mic and walks away. Was, at least that's what I picture in my head. It's a good time for a mic drop right there. He looks at sin, he calls out sin, and he, he condemns it. He condemns sin itself so that we can what? Walk in the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We have this new life now to live and walk by the Spirit. And he says, those who are born of the Spirit, now set, we set our minds on things of the Spirit. We're thinking of the things of the Spirit. We don't think of the things of the flesh that are dead and sinful. We think of the things that are of the Spirit now. And I want to skip down here to verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear you receive the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. I'm going to explain a little bit of that last part. It's, it's walking in this world in the suffering of the sin and brokenness, but we push on and we suffer with him in the gospel. Make sense? Not that we're supposed to live this broken poverty life. I believe we have a good God who gives us good things, but yet we live in the world full of sin. So we're suffering with him in the gospel, right? But I want to point out here, since we, he's condemned sin for us, and then he's given us the spirit, a spirit inside of us that can now look at the Father and say, I see you as my Father. I cry out to you as a son. I have become a son. I love that he calls it adoption as sons. Because the word adoption, to me, I, you may have heard me say this before, means he didn't have to make us sons and daughters. If you adopt somebody... Nobody can force you to adopt somebody. You can't like, I can't take Will to court and say, I want you to adopt this baby. If you don't adopt this baby, you're going to go to jail, right? That doesn't work that way. Adoption means I choose it. Now, if he creates a son and abandons that son, we can, we can have some conversations legally, like he needs to take care of that son. Child support or something. We've got to figure this out. Well, you're not having any kids, right? Not right now. He's all right. But adoption means the father, by all rights, did not have to receive us as sons, but he chose to pay the price and bring us in as his. We have a spirit inside of us in the midst of a broken world, in the midst of 
broken relationships that now we come back to the place we were at in the garden where we no longer hide in the bushes, but we have a spirit inside of us that cries out, Abba, Father, you're my dad. You're, you're my everything, and I'm your son. And if I'm a son, then I'm a co-heir with Christ. You are co-heirs with Christ. All the inheritance of his is yours. Co-heirs. It's a big deal. But yet so often we walk around like we're broken, poor old Scrantonites. Is it Scrantonites? It's Scrantonites, right? Yeah. Scrantonians. Tomato, tomato. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Wilkes-Barre, works bar whatever. Wilkes-Barre, any other way you want to say. Troop or throop, whatever. Yeah, no, it's troop. You guys missed that, missed that letter in there. Anyway, that's who we are. We've been, we've been brought back into our rightful relationship with the Father. Verse 19, if you can throw that up there. Actually, I'll start with 18. For I consider this, that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For, for, cre- for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. See, all of creation is waiting for us to demonstrate who we are. If you look back in the Genesis account when Cain killed Abel, God says that ground is cursed. That ground cries out with his blood. The the creation itself felt the wrath of sin and it has been cursed because of sin on the earth. And the gospel says that when we come alive in Christ, we not only restore relationships, but creation itself. What is the created mandate to rule and reign and have dominion over the earth? So not only can your relationships be healthy and right and, and not full of frustration and confusion and, and rivalry, but, not, but creation itself longs for us to declare our authority as co-heirs with Christ. Co-heirs with Christ. I, I'll let that sink in for a minute because I can, I can see it's, it's a lot. Turn with me if you would. One last passage, and I really, this is where I want to land this morning. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. So right before this, he's talking about like issues in the church, and, or it, uh, not issues in the church, but warning against antichrists. But then he begins to talk about us as children of God. He calls us little children. But in verse, chapter 3, verse 1, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it does not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. You see that? We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. I want to stop there. A few things I want to point out. Verse 1, it says, I love this. Verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has for us. 
The writer here wants us to focus our attention in the midst of coming out of this conversation about the issues of the world and commandments and the Antichrist with recognizing that we are sons of God. Let's look at his great love for us. Great, great love for us. Let's just focus in on it. I love what Martin said this morning about gratitude. Really, gratitude has to come out of a place of, of recognizing the goodness of God, the love of the Father, right? When you see his deep love for us, you have to have gratitude in your heart. It has to overflow. So when I look at this text and he reminds us to see the Father's love for us, that we should be called children of God, it should overwhelm me. It should overwhelm us that I am called his son. That's because he is love. He is pure, beautiful love that doesn't make any sense. I love that scripture tells us that we were once alienated and hostile, but now we're in him. Now we are his sons. See what love the Father has for us. Let me say this. So we're supposed to reflect the image of the Father, right? That's what we're created for. Everybody agree with that? Just I want to need a little participation. All right. That's what we're supposed to be. If if it's not in the Father, it shouldn't be in you. Like I said, if my daughters came out looking like somebody else's kid, we have an issue because then I'm not the dad. It's like Maury Povich. I need the test results. So this is not, I can clearly tell this is not my kid, right? I, thankfully, I didn't have that question. I was a little confused confused about the red hair, I'm going to be honest. I mean, like, okay, I got some red hair. It's in my family. It's all right. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But like, if your actions don't look like the love of the Father and his actions, according to this book, then I have to ask, whose child are you? And if you have been born by the Spirit and received the Spirit of adoption then everything you do should reflect the Father. But a lot of us are programmed in this way where we don't like our dad so much, so we do things to be unlike our father. Right? Well, my dad this, I'll never do that. Even the good things that you don't like, you end up doing. I, I used to like tell my wife all the time, like, yeah, it used to drive me nuts when my dad would, my mom would leave to go somewhere and she'd give him a to-do list and then he'd look at me like, hey, I need you to do this. I'm like, mom gave that to you. I'm like, I'll never do that. I got an eight-year-old now. Ash goes to the grocery store. Haley, I need you to go do that. But mom asked you, Haley, go do that. Like, I do, just to, like, you know, you, I get to do that now. I'm excited about that. But like, there, you know what I'm talking about. You know the thing that you say that you'll never do? It's funny, Matt was here last week, right, and preached. And Matt came and he said, um, oh my goodness. He, was, he kept saying, oh my goodness. And you know who he was making, kind of making fun of lightly? He was making fun of my dad. My dad works in the same office with him. He's like, your dad says, oh my goodness, all the time. Ashley and I sat here and we listened to Matt. I'm like, Matt, you said, oh my goodness, probably 12 times in your message last week. <laughs> like even when you don't want to be like that, it happens sometimes. And the truth is, if somebody is your father, you become like them. You start, the more you see and behold them, the more you start to reflect them. The, the more Matt sits in the same office with my dad, who's like a spiritual dad to him, 
he begins to say the same things my dad says, even when he finds it annoying. Like that's, if we behold the Father, if we say, Abba, Father, and we're looking at him, it's as we see him, we'll become like him. That's what First John tells us. He says, right now, you're children of God. We don't know what will be in the future, but what we do know is when we see him perfectly, we will be like him. That's what John says. We are already sons, but when we see him more, it's going to be so much better than being sons. I don't know what, being, what better than being sons is, but he says it's going to happen. That's the future that we have. And right now, all I can look at this side and say, what does the Father look like? And if it's not reflected in me, then I need to start living, setting my minds on things of the Spirit, my mind on the things of the Spirit, so that I can look and act like the, the Father does. If it's not in him, it shouldn't be in me. I want to look like him. Does that make sense? We are his children now, that verse says. Right now. You're his child now. If you're in Christ, you're his child now. He is your father. You can stop living like you don't have a father, because you do. So many of us live like orphans, spiritual orphans or physical orphans. And the father says, I'm your father. I've bought you. I've adopted you. Stop grumbling as if I haven't loved you when I have. Jesus reminded us of our one true father. He says, call nobody else father, right? Not that we can't call our dad Father's Day, father on Father's Day, but he was trying to get them to understand your true father is in heaven. And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Why? Because he's the pure son of the Father reflecting the image of him. All we need to do is look at Christ to see the Father. And if it doesn't look like the Father and it doesn't look like Jesus, then why, does it, why is it in us? Why is it coming out of us? That's what, we were, that's what we were bought for. You weren't bought just to get eternity in gold streets and a nice cloud with a harp. That's not what you were bought for. You weren't bought just so that you could be you for eternity. You were bought by his blood, so you could look and represent him for all eternity and then share in the glory of his presence for all of eternity. You were bought for such a higher price and such a bigger goal than what we make this Christian life out to be. And if we're all honest, most of us, either in our own immediate parents and siblings or relatives, we've experienced some kind of brokenness, some kind of tension tension in there. But what I want to... What I want to, I have to remind myself daily is even though my mom grew up in that house, she refused to let that be the image she portrayed to us. Make sense? I don't care what home you grew up in or what lack of a parent you had. When you recognize that the Heavenly Father is a good Father and He's all that you need, you can be His image on the earth. You can be that. And I'm so thankful that my parents got that. I'm thankful for that. I don't, I don't think that I'm living in some kind of weird, blissful land where I think every, every parents are like mine. I, I don't think that for a second. I realize what I have, but what I'm trying to relay is that even if you didn't have that, you can be that. Because we live by the Spirit and you've bought with, been bought with a great price. You're no longer slaves to fear or insecurities or brokenness or fights or rivalries. Now you're His. Make sense? That's who you are.
um, the verse says that we, we're now sons and daughters. We're, we're now his. We don't know what fullness we'll have, but we'll see him when we like him. Have you ever, like, met a couple that, like, they're in their 40s and they look like the same person? You know what I'm talking about? Like, the husband almost looks like the wife and the wife almost looks like... Like, you know they're male and female. Like, you get that, but you're like, they look like a couple. Like, they've just been doing this a while, right? Or let, let's take it a little further. Have you ever met that dog owner? Kind of looks like his dog. His dog looks like him. One of the, either way you want to word it. You know what I'm talking about. Because when you see each other every day, you begin to start to take on the same appearances. Now, I mean, I'm not saying I'm wearing dresses like my wife, putting on makeup. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, though, like, even, the, even our colors that we pick begin to kind of come into, like, this is the colors of our house. Like, why is everything yellow and gray in our house now? Like, what just happened, you know? Like, my wife jokes with me. She's like, man, before we got married, I used to wear all kinds of sparkly things and pink things. I'm like, you still do. She's like, but now I wear brown. I'm like, what's wrong with brown? I like brown. Brown's cool. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it just kind of happens. Like, now my wife is like, she wears pink, and she wears colors. You, got, you women know my wife likes the dresses and stuff. But, like, it just kind of happens accidentally where, like, you realize I'm taking on the things that you like, and I'm... My wife and I are incredibly different people, incredibly. We have like zero, like very small of the same interests. But guess what? We do have some same interests. And then we took the personality test. Have you ever, has anybody ever taken the Myers-Briggs personality test? There's 16 personalities on there. We got the same one. I'm like, that is a lie. There's no way we are the same personality. Took it again. We got the same one again. Why? Because the way she lives life and the way I live life have become similar. Make sense? Our, our values are similar. And when we, this, this word here tells us we are currently his sons. But you will look even more like a son when you see him. The beauty is that now we get to see him every day because we get to look at Jesus. We get to experience Jesus. We get to grow more and more into his image now. Verse 11. talking about us now we're sons for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another we should not be like Cain who was of the evil one and murdered his brother and why did he murder him because of his own deeds were evil and his brothers righteous do not be surprised brothers that the world hates you we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Did you see that? We know that we have passed out of death and into life. How do we know this? Because we love the brothers. That's the brothers, the church. That's how we know we've gone from death into life is because now we are able to love each other. And by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. This morning, on this Father's Day, I want you to realize a few things. I want you to realize what we were created for. 
to reflect the Father who's perfect and his main word to describe himself is love. If you have a problem with love, you have a problem with the Father. The gospel is that we were given our true identity as his image bearers and sons and daughters. And the true face of the Father is sacrificial love for us. That's the face of the Father. If you want to know what he looks like, it's sacrificial love. We are called to receive our new identity as his sons and then live it out amongst the body of Christ, amongst the world. Sacrificial love. This morning, if you're a father, you have been given a mandate to reflect him to your children. Through daily setting your mind on things of the Spirit. That's, that's the only way we accomplish it. Every morning I have to wake up and I have to choose, do I live by the Spirit or do I live by control and frustration and, and selfishness and laziness? Do I live that with my kids or do I live by the Spirit? And I can't tell you, I mean, you've heard some of my stories of parenting, how difficult it is on a daily basis. Sometimes you just want to like freak out, but the Holy Spirit gives us love and generosity and grace and mercy to pour ourselves out for our family. And we reflect his image. Sometimes it happens in my house and sometimes it doesn't. And then I have to go and repent. I've, I've repented in front of my daughters who are the oldest two, six and eight. Grace is too young. She wouldn't understand in my words anyway. I've literally went to them with tears in my eyes and told them I'm sorry. That's tough. And we can only do that when we live by the Spirit. We can only get rid of pride when we, we, we choose in that moment. I'm going to live by the Spirit. I've got to re- apologize to my wife. I've got to apologize to my kids. We have to let go of control. We have, remember I said that was, that was the common word that I saw in those two families. Is everybody was fighting for their own control. And you only want to control what you fear you'll lose. And perfect love casts out all fear. We're no longer slaves to fear. We are now children of God. So I have to learn to lose this desire for control and just live by sacrificial love. That's tough. And fathers, you're called to do that. If you're not a dad, you're made in his image and you're still called to do that. Some of us, though, you may have felt like an orphan in life. You feel like you've been ripped off of a good father. And the father says to you this morning, I sacrificed everything so that I could be your father again. I gave everything so that I could be the father that you wanted, that you need. I'm giving it all. I've given it all. Let me be your father. And this morning, if you've not had a good experience with a dad, the father wants to love you so you lose that orphan mentality. He wants you to know that he is your everything. He is your source of life. And you don't need another dad. It's good to have healthy dads. I'm not denying that. But you don't have to. He is the perfect father. And he wants to do that for you this morning. If you feel isolated and without a family, guess what the church is called the family in Scripture? We are called brothers and sisters. I want to encourage you, please, connect to the body. If you feel alone and abandoned without family, please connect to the church. Celebrate recovery, home groups. We have men's things, women's things. 
But even if it's not with us, connect to the family of God in another church, somewhere. Connect to the body. You should not have to feel isolated and alone. We have just, I was just telling some of the guys last night about a guy who hung himself here in the city. And he was crying out for help. Just read the newspaper, the thing that happened in Tunkhannock the other week. A young man crying out to belong somewhere in a world where he feels like he doesn't belong. All of us were made in the image of God, which is to be made in a part of a family unit, reflecting his love. And when you don't have that, brokenness happens. The church is supposed to be that for each other. I want to encourage you, connect in some way to the body of Christ. We don't always get it right. We make mistakes. People get their minds on flesh. It happens. Please connect somewhere. This morning, though, if I can give you any, anything, it's that your position in Christ is to be a part of an eternal family. And you have a dad who will never walk out on you. You have a father who will never hurt you or abandon you. You have a father who will never abuse you, and he only has sacrificial love for you. He only has that for you. That is who our father is. This morning, I want you to stand. We're going to worship together. We're going to sing that we're no longer slaves to fear, but we are children of God. This has to become our reality. This has to become more than just a Sunday morning once a year. This has to become our daily reality that we are sons and daughters of God, and he's good. That makes sense? That's, that's the heartbeat of the gospel. That's, that's the heartbeat of the God that we serve. Let's worship him. You have a good dad who will never leave you or forsake you. He's promised us that. Let's worship. <laughs>